So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Pray with me. Father, I do. I I just acknowledge first off, Lord, that man, Lord, the weight of getting the opportunity to teach your word is significant. And also that this passage is, uh, is not easy. And Lord, I acknowledge, Lord, as, as I teach, Father, I pray for humility. I pray that any selfish ambition or conceit that is in my sinful heart would be removed. Father, I pray um, as I'm up here, it's easy with a microphone and being able to teach to use that as a furthering for myself. And Father, I pray that that is killed right here, right now, and in this moment. Father, I pray that your word comes alive. It says in Psalm 119, verse 18, Lord, let me see wondrous things from your law. And I pray that for us this morning um, as we break down the book of Philippians chapter 2. And so, Lord, we do. We give you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, it is good to be here with y'all. So, uh, my name is Garrison Price. Those of y'all who are new or may not know me, I get the opportunity to uh, serve here on staff with uh, students and young adults. Uh, it is one of the greatest privileges um, that I've ever had in my life to be able to call uh, this my job, getting to know a lot of y'all, uh, getting to hang out with your kids or your students, getting to hang out with people my age. Uh, it is a gift. And so uh, I'm excited to be here. This is um, a great uh, privilege of mine. And so those of y'all who know me, know that I, uh, I love sports, right? I love sports. I grew up playing them, and, and part of that after high school, uh, after high school sports, I got to move on and had the privilege of playing collegiate baseball. And so through baseball, you have a lot of different opportunities with teammates, right? You have a lot of different te- uh, opportunities for a lot of memories. Most of the time that I have been able to teach, a lot of my stories or illustrations have come from those sports memories or the memories that I've created with teammates. And so part of that as we start this morning, I want to share a story with y'all. So my freshman year, I was up in Dallas, Texas at Dallas Baptist University. All right, go Patriots. Uh, and we, uh, <laughs> we had a great year that year, um, had a really solid team. I was a redshirt freshman, did not touch the field, all right? Uh, and I enjoyed it. And then the next year, in order for me to play, you'll see a lot of guys do this. I wanted to go play. I knew that the best opportunity wasn't at DBU, so I decided to transfer. So I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, yep, the 615, and so I moved, I uh, moved and transferred to a school near home, to a school called Bryan, okay? So this was in North Chattanooga in a place called Dayton, Tennessee, um, and uh, it was very different from my experience at DBU. DBU, uh, we had um, top-of-the-line facilities, all right? Brand new stadium, it was built, if you've seen it, it's gorgeous, it was built my freshman year, so I was there during that year that they built a new stadium, uh, new indoor facilities, like it was just lights out, right? I go to Bryan and I remember my dad telling me, hey, when we drove down there uh, to kind of tour during that summer in transition between freshman and sophomore year, he told me, hey, it's going to be very different. I want to give you uh, that mindset to to be humble when you're there, to realize the difference between uh, DBU and Bryan. And I don't think I realized quite the difference, all right? And so I get down there, 
And, uh, and I see this and I'm like, this is a college, like college field, right? And uh, man, that was, just the, that was just my heart. It was a problem, all right? And so we get down there. Like I said, comparison of D- Division I baseball to NAIA. Very small school, big difference, all right? So we're playing, we fast forward, fast forward. I ended up going there, fast forward through the fall, through the winter. We start our season, all right? We open up at Georgia Gwinnett University, ranked number two in the country, all right? Their number, their Friday night guy, all right, their starter was uh, an Auburn transfer. Their whole outfield was all ACC uh, former transfers and starters. And so they were stacked, all right. And so we're playing. Here comes Brian uh, into their place, huge facility. We play and we beat them, all right. We beat their number one uh, and uh, four to three, okay. Now, after the game, obviously, we are hyped. We're so excited. We're pumped. Like, we just came down here and whooped you and beat you in your own place, and now we're going to party, all right? So we get into the bus, and the whole bus is just rocking. Like, music's bumping. All the guys were going crazy, uh, and our coach walks in. He goes, hey, you know, be quiet, be quiet. And we're like, what's going on? Like, did somebody leave something? Did we, <laughs> was somebody, and, and honestly, it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if somebody said something that we shouldn't have, right? And I'm like, okay, what's going on? He goes, he stares at us straight like this, and he goes, that's what I'm talking about, and the whole place just erupts, and so the whole bus is just going crazy, and we're throwing stuff and like dancing, we got, you know, unnecessary music going on and everything, and so then he goes, all right, one more, one more, one more thing, and we're like, what? And he goes, I'm treating y'all out tonight. We're like, yeah, you know, we're all, we're all pumped up. He's like, we're eating like kings. So we're in North Georgia, we're in Atlanta. So we drive, all right, if you're familiar with the southeast, there's a place there called Jim and Nick's Barbecue. It's one of my favorite places, all right? So there's a Jim and Nick's over to my right uh, in front of us, and I see it. Next to that is Outback. Next to that is like different steakhouses. Now remember, just a quick pause, at DBU, we were given a stipend every weekend. We were given like steakhouses and everything when we traveled. (laughs) Remember that? So then with Brian, I'm like, man, we're about to eat like kings. Like, let's go. I'm thinking steak. I'm thinking, ooh, I'm going to get some brisket. Like, I'm already thinking through that, right? I promise you the, the bus driver does this, all right? So the bus driver's going. We're in a charter bus, and he's turning to the right into Jim and Nick's Steakhouse, and then he swerves to the left, all right? Swerve to the left right into none other than Golden Corral, all right? And so I'm literally like, are you serious? And all my guys, no lie, we're freaking out. Let's go. And I'm sitting there like, you're kidding me, right? Like Golden Corral? And I was just salivating at barbecue or steak, and now their guys are pumped for the popcorn shrimp bar at, <laughs> at Golden Corral. And all the guys, like, I didn't know that that was a big deal to them, right? In that, uh, in that organization or that team, that was a treat. But listen to this transition. Right before that in the game, I didn't tell y'all, is that, man, I got pulled from the game. First game, I was so hyped. So, um, man, really trying to prove myself. I got pulled game one, had a terrible game. So already my attitude, right? We won, we won, beat the number two team in the country, and yet my attitude, yes, I'm, I'm pumped, so-so, but I'm still thinking about, man, ways I could have played better, ways I missed out, ways that I felt like it was unfair for him to take me out and pinch it for me, right? And so I missed an opportunity, and so immediately, as you see, it's a buildup in my heart. There was a buildup of discontentment, there was a buildup of, are you kidding me, Golden Corral? Like what was funny, and we all laugh, because now I laugh at it, right? I get to, because it's really funny. But in that moment, I then began to say, are y'all serious? Like y'all like this place? And what happened is I started p- 
pulling others around me to say, what is Golden Corral, right? And then they started to question, wait, this isn't a big deal? This isn't a treat? You see that? And so the sickness in my own heart, I should say, the frustration, the missing out on the team opportunity and shared experience was from my own heart of saying, are you serious, right? And I missed that opportunity to join in unity, join in fun, to consider them more important, uh, even though <laughs> Golden Corral, right? I might have been sick afterwards. But, uh, and so I missed that opportunity. And why do I share that? I share that, all right, because we're going to study here and what Paul is, uh, is going to teach us through Philippians chapter 2. By the way, if you have your Bibles, we are going to dig in, so please get them out. Um, I would really encourage you to take notes. Really encourage you to take notes today. Um, so whether that's your phone or notebook. Um, I encourage that. So why do I share that? I share that because we're going to see here why Paul says, one, we have to understand that unity together is of the utmost importance. Unity is of the utmost importance. If we are not unified, we miss it. And that can be completely dictated or changed by one person. And there is a secret formula to how this unity can work. There is a secret formula, and we're going to find out what that is. And so what I'm going to share through this scripture is that humble acknowledgement, a humble acknowledgement of where we come from, a humble acknowledgement of security in Jesus, plus, plus a humble action or humble action leads to joyful unity, to come together as one. I don't want us to miss opportunities like I did in that bus at Golden Corral, right? So humble acknowledgement. Plus, humble action equals joyful unity. That's where we're going to head, um, head that direction this morning. And so, uh, why is this important? Let's text, uh, let, so we are going to continue, like I said, we are continuing the Philippians series. John taught last week, amazing message, go listen to it uh, if you weren't here. Uh, Philippians 1, 27 through 30. The reason I bring that up is because we are going to pull from that. And that says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Okay, so, and continue on, and he finishes out that chapter, but remember that this is a letter, so the reason I bring this up, I'm setting it up for us. The letter to the church at Philippi is from Paul. He's writing from prison, okay, if you're catching up with us. He's writing from prison to this church. Now, if you've written a letter, I don't think many of us put numbers next to certain points of our letter. There are no chapter breaks. So this is a continued thought. Remember that. So at the end of 30, verse 1 of chapter 2 picks up from the same idea. And how do we know that? How do we know that? The first word of chapter 1 says, or chapter 2, sorry, says, what does it say? Therefore, find out what it is there for, right? And so anytime we read scripture, we have to understand, man, we got to understand what is going on. And if you have heard me teach before, you know that I'm a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, in my translation says, so. I normally don't start conversations or sentences off with so if I'm not continuing from a previous thought. So that is how we know verses 27 through 30 play into this. So the whole idea of unity 
it's almost a continuation. This whole idea of being of one mind, of one spirit, of, of side by side. We are continuing that today. So, unity. Why is this important for us? If you realize in our culture today, this is something that we don't really see as important. We don't see this as of the high, utmost importance. Am I right? Let me just give you some examples. All right? Uh, let's see. Big 12, SEC. Big 12 or SEC. Let me give you other, uh, let me say, uh, Whataburger or In-N-Out. All right? Yeah. You know, make your decision. All right? We see unity. I know this is dumb examples, but let's dig a little deeper if you don't mind me digging here. Liberal, conservative. Feminist or you're a sexist. Let's get real. We do not understand We like to think that we do, but if you look all around us, the last word that I would say is true of our country and our culture today, all around the world, is unity. Everyone is trying to be in groups. Everybody is trying to separate themselves. That's why, honestly, and I I, I see the great benefit of it, but why these spiritual gift tests or the spiritual, like, Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, we do this because it's individualistic. We want to know. And like I said, there are great benefits to that. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But even that is, oh, I'm a, I'm a whatever number, you know, uh, and you're just going to have to accept that. Like, that's what we, we like to feel, that difference and that separation. And it's true of our culture. We see it everywhere. Now, church, we're not off the hook. If you say, hey, well, we're Christians, we believe in unity. Let me give you some examples of how this is shown within us, in the Christianity, in following Jesus, or in the church, in this very church. We see this in the difference in forms of parenting styles. If you don't, uh, man, oh, well, I decide to homeschool, and public school is the devil, right? That's what my mom used to say. So, uh, <laughs> so and then what's funny is my brothers and I used, ended up in public school. So uh, apparently we're devils. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, my mom would get mad at me for saying that, um, for bringing that up today. But so if it's parenting styles, right? Oh, I cannot believe they let their kids do that. That immediately is saying, I have put them in a category, and now I have been in my own category. Parenting, people groups, preferences. There's nothing wrong. I get it. There's just natural people you're going to surround yourself with. I completely understand that. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when it becomes click, a click, and it separates yourself from others where they feel like you are unapproachable, disunity. People groups, cliques, preference, privilege, entitlement. Keep that in mind. We're going there again. And disunity in church denominations. This is disgusting, y'all. This is where, if you don't mind me saying that, this is where the sickness in my heart and in our hearts shows up so much. In a world of disunity, this is why this is important, why we're going to break this down. In a world of disunity, should not the one place that they see unity and at least a people group and people strive to walk together, be the church. And yet we still have this competition of we versus them, these denominations. And it doesn't mean, listen to him, hear me say this before we get going, that unity does not mean, right, we have to have the same theological beliefs. I do not mean that. 
What I mean, though, is when that separates of we're better than. I would never go there, be a part of that. Okay? So this is a great need, I could say, for us this morning. Because unity is so important. What we're going to hear Paul say is he understands this. He is addressing this issue. This is not a 2019 issue. Yes, it is a great issue today. But this was happening nearly 2,000 years ago in 62 AD in the church of Philippi. Now, how do we know that? If we remember in chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, Paul gets cut down by these leaders that are proclaiming the gospel. And all they're doing is try to cut him down because they are jealous of him. They are envious of him. So right there, there is separation already going on in the church. There is disunity. And so we're going to learn, what is the secret formula of this? How do we handle this? How do we properly walk in unity together as the remnant of Christ? And that's a big word. Remnant means those who are remaining today that are faithful to Jesus, that follow Jesus. The church, Christ's bride, the bride of Christ is the remnant. How does the remnant of Christ strive for unity together? And so we're going to learn of what that looks like. So remember, humble acknowledgement, humble action leads to joyful unity. So let's break it down, all right? So we're going to jump in Philippians chapter 2. Let's read it again together. Here we go. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Okay, so here we go, all right? Uh, we're going to break it down, all right? One, I think we should celebrate we're in chapter two. Come on, all right? <laughs> Clap with me, all right? We made it to chapter two, all right? So this time next year, uh, we will be in chapter three, all right? So uh, we are in chapter two, finally. We finally got into the word. Uh, okay, so if you know, like I said, I'm a nerd with this kind of stuff. So we already broke down the word so, also, therefore. Same thing, look above. What is it there for? We're getting to the second word, if. All right, we're going to break down this, if. Interesting, verse 1, he says, if there is any uh, encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, if any participation in the Spirit, if any affection and sympathy, what he's doing is he's not being sarcastic of, of uh, or he's not asking the question, hey guys, just remember, like, if this is true. Like, that's not what he's saying. Paul is saying, no, this is true. You can't deny this. If, it also translates to the word since here, since. Since these things are true. You learn in early elementary school the if and then statements. If this is true, then. That is what Paul is doing. He is creating an argument for us. He is making an argument for the church at Philippi. If verse 1 is true, then 2 has to be true. And if 1 is true, how do we act? Verse 2. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ. Let's break down this encouragement word. Encouragement here is the word in Greek, paraklesis. 
Paraclesis. Where do we see that in Scripture? Paraclesis means, okay, if there is other translations, you may have consolation in Christ, if you see that. If there is any consolation in Christ, that word is paraclesis. Where do we see that? Luke chapter 2, verse 25. You don't have to go there. We should have it up on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 is when Jesus' parents are bringing him to the temple. After his birth, they're bringing him there, okay, to be presented to the Lord, be presented in front of people. In Simeon, it says a great man, a devout man of God, goes before him. And it says of Simeon, right here in verse 25, that he was waiting on the redemption of Israel. That word, redemption, the comfort of Israel, the hope, paraclesis. Paraclesis, the consolation of Israel. Let's break that down. What does it mean? It means a calling near, a summons, exhortation, admonition, encouragement. Here's my favorite. Comfort, solace, that which affords comfort comfort or refreshment. If we remember the history of Israel, there were 400 years of silence before Jesus came. 400 years of waiting on this promised king. And what made this man devout was that he was waiting for this consoler, this paraclesis, capital P. Jesus Christ as paraclesis, as the consoler of our faith. Now what does that mean? That we can have comfort in Christ. Comfort knowing that verse 1 is true. Comfort, hope, encouragement in Jesus Christ. The reason I say that we have to have a humble recognition a humble acknowledgement is before two through four we can't get past one church verse one must be true and if it's not true of your life if we are not finding what is he says is true in verse one true in our lives there's something there there's something missing jesus is the ultimate example of this that same word where do we see this other in other places in scripture we see this all right in uh, excuse me we see this in first or second Thessalonians all right second Thessalonians 2:16 okay or uh, yeah so it says now may our lord jesus christ himself and god our father who loved us and gave us look at this eternal comfort paraclesis same word eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Also Paul writing. Same word. Where do we see this elsewhere? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3, uh, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father. Also Paul writing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Je- Lord, Je- Lord. <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and God of all what? What does it say there? comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with this comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God remember the translation and the definition of this word paraclesis this consoler this finding consolation in Jesus there's great comfort there's great peace there is a surrounding almost like with a blanket there is security in Jesus and what he's saying is if there is if this is true which it is 
then. If this is true, Springs Church, then we should lead out in the way that we strive for unity. How important of the, is this? I remember our, sorry, First Timothy chapter 3 talks about elders, leaders in the church. At the very end he says, the church as the foundation and buttress of truth, meaning it has to stand firm. It must be the place in a world and a culture that is telling you otherwise, the church has to be the place, foundation of truth. And if that is true, and if we say, hey, we want to be about God's business, we want to be about that business, we got to be about the unity business. We have to be striving for unity, and that starts on an individual level, church. This starts with us on an individual level. And we're going to see that. There is a secret formula. So a humble acknowledgement. There's just too much here. There's so much here. All right? And so a humble acknowledgement. Remember that. You see, we see this, unity. We see this everywhere. There, there are a couple examples of maybe good examples of unity. All right? So here's one. Uh, Aggie rings. All right? So, yeah, we got, some, we got some Aggies in the room. All right? And we see this everywhere. This is hilarious. I have some buddies that tell me, like, hey, I got a degree in business, and I go into a hospital to find a job uh, as a, or go into nursing school, and I am interviewing when I don't really have any, any preparation or really any... Uh, support or what should I say education towards this and I show up but I show my Aggie ring and the guy that's interviewing with an Aggie ring is we'll find a spot right and it's like what I don't want that guy work you know helping me out all right but he's got an Aggie ring because we're together all right and we're Aggies okay so the Aggie ring it gets you in everywhere it seems like and there is a unity there it's just built in I don't even know how to explain it Aggies don't even know how to explain it's like well just got a ring I don't know you know and so there is unity there and an example of this, I'm not bashing on, I bashed on Aggies last time I taught, all right? I'm not bashing on them. I think it's cool. I think it's crazy. But y'all know what I'm saying. These Aggies, right, they have this ring that gets them, and it's, they're unified by just this. I have buddies that get walked up to, what class are you? And he's like, 2018. He's like, all right, great, 1964, you know, like all this. And like, they're immediate best friends. And I'm like, how does that even work, right? But uh, it's just part of it. And so there's a unity. And I think about this, and I'm like, man, what is the Aggie ring for the church? Like, does the church have this, or is Aggie rings the only way, the good example I can think about this? Like, man, what does that look like for the church? I don't see us walking around with a lot of rings. But we also don't act or treat one another like we are of, of one mind, one spirit, going side by side. There's a disconnect here. What's that ring? What's that secret formula? And so we're going to continue and move on. Remember, a humble acknowledgement, the security in Christ, the consolation in Christ as paraclesis. Can't miss that. All right? And so we're going to continue. All right? Uh, real quick, I want to point out this. Remember, verse 2, it starts with, complete my joy. Before I move on and wrap it up, I want to make sure that we, we get this. Complete my joy. What does Paul mean by that? That's an odd thing to say. Complete my joy. What he's saying is, man, I can't be there with y'all right now. I'm in prison. But what's crazy is that if you read, and we, we've talked about this throughout all of chapter 1, that Paul is excited to teach. 
is excited to write to Philippi because they are encouraging him in their faith because they're getting after it. They are unified by the way that they love the Lord and are going after it, getting after it. And Paul is saying, hey, but hold on. Don't miss this. Continue in one mind. Continue side by side, living your life in a manner worthy of the gospel, verse 27 of chapter 1. Keep going and complete my joy by doing this because it brings great joy. Let me give you in better terms. Parents, when you see your kids striving to ask forgiveness and repentance from maybe, uh, maybe annoying their little brother or something like that, picking on them and saying, you know what? I, uh, man, I care about you. I love you more than the way that I acted. And I want to ask you forgiveness. I am sorry. I don't want to do that again. Can you imagine <laughs> if the kids actually said that and did that? Like the great joy that comes to you as parents, as a leader, as a disciple of those kids. That's exactly what Paul is saying. That same idea of saying, complete my joy by striving for this unity. There is joy that comes from this. And not just joy for one man. There's joy for the world, church. We are supposed to be the foundation. And buttress of truth is what it says. There is great joy to communities when the church is one. There is great joy to New Braunfels and Comal County. It produces great fruit and eternal glory for a community when the Springs Church is unified out of very different people with very different gifts, with very different backgrounds. But when it comes together with one denominator of Jesus Christ as the consoler of our faith, consoler and encouragement of our faith, changes everything. Amen? I'm sweating. I'm getting after it. All right. Man, this is too good. It's too good. Remember that. Humble acknowledgement. Moving on. Here we go. Verses 3 and 4. Very well-known passage here. Here's where he starts. Complete my joy, verse 2. Look at what he starts with in verse 3. Do nothing. What does he say do? Nothing. Nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. The way this conceit word bro breaks down, if you see it, and if anybody in here is reading the King James, uh, I doubt it, but that word in there that we don't use, that used to be used in the English language back then is vain glory. Vain glory. Emptiness. There's nothing there. It is a glory that we're trying to build for ourselves that is never going to produce anything. Vain Glory is that word conceit. Do nothing of selfish ambition or conceit. We're about to get real. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain glory. Emptiness. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. You see, here comes this selfish ambition is building up of saying, man, I deserve something. I deserve this. I am entitled to this. We see it everywhere. How does this look like in our lives? I can't believe he talked to me like that. I deserve respect. Really? I can't believe my community group didn't meet at my house this week. <laughs> right? I deserve it because they have no idea what's going on in my world. 
Have you considered what's going on in theirs? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. This vainglory, building myself up for the sake of others. Sorry, not or at the sake of others. Building myself up, this vainglory that I want to present. You see, entitlement, this word entitlement here, the gospel, here's what he's saying in verse 1 and 2. The gospel in 3, and he continues in 3 and 4, that it should shatter the very idea and presence of entitlement. God knows nothing of entitlement. There is nothing in here that supports entitlement, church. We are not entitled to anything. And if we know the true story, if we know the gospel from verse 1, this consoler, that he is our only hope, he is our only savior, he is our only comfort, we know what we truly deserve. And what that does is when we are magnified, when the name of the Lord is magnified and we are in next to him, you see humility is a right understanding of our place with God. A right understanding. It's like those pictures you see on Facebook or Instagram. I saw one last week or this week. Is that little tiny boat or kayak on the, in the sea and then underneath is that gigantic blue whale. Have y'all seen that? And it looks, from it's an aerial view and it looks tiny in comparison. What Paul is saying is, hey, thinking less than, in humility, do nothing of selfish ambition or conceit does not mean you are of less value. You are of the utmost value in Christ. And that makes us all the more, gives us all the more reason to say, man, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve anything. I deserve death. And in that acknowledgement comes this humility of understanding, God, you have saved me from who I once was and now given me new life to walk in unity and strive for it. If you remember verses 27 through 38, the word strive here, it is action. It is hard work, is it not? Striving for unity, humility, not thinking of oneself above the others, above the rest, is really difficult work. That's why it makes this so important and why I love what Paul has to say here. As he's saying, man, I am human. I understand it is hard. It is hard work. But let us recalibrate our minds and be remembered that there is a humble acknowledgement of where our comfort and identity comes from. And now there is humble action. It's the first of the virtues. I love this. Oliver Wendell Holmes says this. Humility is the first of the virtues for other people. <laughs> like, no lie, that's how we think sometimes of humility. That even in times of men acting of service, of acting out, of trying to put one another, this is what's up where we know this is an issue for us. Is when we serve one another and put others above ourselves that we have the acknowledgement of this is being seen as service. I do that all the time. And that's the sickness in my heart. Because I know, man, especially if there's a camera around or people notice or whatever, that my name is still, I'm still going to that vainglory. That's still conceit. This is an issue, y'all. So he says, man, in humility, count others more important than yourself. What does this look like? Count others more important than yourself. This is seen when I think that the people around me have the utmost value. To think that, that, listen to this, to think that they are a value and a joyful add to the room when they walk in. That they are a value add addition to the greater good, to the people around me, to my life. 
counting others more significant than yourself. It is also seen when we consider they have gifts, words, and wisdom that we can learn and grow from. You see, this was so foreign. The reason Paul's teaching this is so foreign in the Greek culture. The Greeks, at this point, in this time in history, humility itself was used as a, um, as a uh, cuss word towards guys that were being soft. No lie. Humility here was used then as a cuss word to guys who were being soft because they thought the Greeks, we are better than and greater than everyone. And men, especially in this time, you had to act like it. You are entitled. You are uh, of the utmost value. You are the most important. In this act of humility, if somebody were to serve one another in the Greek culture, would have been heresy. It would have been awful. You would have been laughed at and probably disciplined. This is completely insane to these people's ears. The Greek idea of humility. Um, and so, this is why this is so important. And I just want us to, I want us to realize this. Imagine what our marriages, imagine what our families, imagine what our community groups and our friend groups would look like if we understood this, counting others more significant than yourself. This is the secret formula, y'all. This is the humble action. If you know that you are secure in Christ, that is so important. But humility is the foundation. In order for unity to be uh, strived for as a whole, as a group, in marriage, in friendship, in relationships, humility is the foundation of saying, you are, so, you are more important than I am. And I want to see you thrive. I want to serve in ways. I want to outserve you and do things that, man, are so out of the ordinary. And that's the thing is when people serve nowadays and humble people are so few and far between that we think about that. It's like hard for us to think of this unity. But I want you to consider, man, think about the people in your life. Think about people in your life that you're saying, that person is humble. And what marks them? What is that secret formula? I think there's security in Christ and I see here that it is just counting others more significant. It is worth striving for, church, and it is worth waking up every single morning saying, I choose to be humble. I do not wake up humble. I don't know about y'all. I don't wake up thinking about, man, I'm just gonna go and serve people today. You know what I mean? Like, I wake up and I'm like, what do I need? Who's on my time? I don't wake up humble. And so it is worth being strived for. It is worth being worked for and prayerfully saying, God, make me humble. God, help me serve and count others significant. Give me opportunities today. Help me see what it looks like in my own life so that then I can feel this. It says in Proverbs 24 or 22, 4, right, that in humility, out of the fear of the Lord comes humility, and out of humility comes riches and honor. It also says in Proverbs that humility brings refreshment to your bones in chapter 3, verse 7. Refreshment. It is refreshing to serve, and it's refreshing to others because it brings unity of saying, that was awesome. I want to do that. Help me do that better. Help point that out in me. How can I act out in this? 
imagine our marriages and families when we consider others more important than ourselves. It's a daily choice. Imagine when marriages start doing this. Some of y'all are doing this faithfully, and I say, keep going, well done. But man, you understand in marriage, happy wife, happy life, amen, right? And so I've heard that my whole life. And I'm not married, but I can imagine a happy wife means a happy life. But not even that. That's so small in comparison to what we're talking about. When you're saying, man, I'm putting you up, when I'm looking up to how I can support you, and one person, one spouse is doing that, looking up and saying, man, I want to elevate you in the way that I serve. And the other's doing the same thing. If you notice, both of them are looking up and no one is looking down upon. When we do that with our families and our friendships and our community groups, imagine the difference. And you say, man, we have a problem with unity Here's the secret formula. Start with your own heart. Start with my own heart. Lord, convict me in times that I'm selfish when I have vainglory and I strive for it all the time. Start with me so that my community group is changed. The guys and friends around me are changed. The students at Springs Church are changed. That they then go into their homes and their parents have to be shown at times of service, of humility in their own kids. Do you see the ripple effect? This spreads unity. The secret formula to unity, verse 1, is humility of counting others more significant than ourselves. Imagine what that would look like. And I don't say, and what's amazing about this is that it doesn't have to be imagination. This can be reality today. As I close, I share a story of uh, Benjamin Franklin, all right? When Benjamin Franklin was 27 years old, all right, he wasn't the Benjamin Franklin that we knew of, okay? So he was in this, uh, in this time in his life where he was starting to get recognized. There's a lot of vain glory in his life, conceit. He was kind of proud. He was very proud in what he was inventing. Now, he was very young and very well known in Philadelphia. Now what was crazy about him, what I loved actually learning about this, was that in his autobiography he talks about writing the 12 virtues for personal growth. He wrote that at 27 years old, of saying, I want to write down the list of 12 things that I can do better to grow as a man, to grow as a leader. 12 virtues that I can live my life on. So he goes to his friend, he goes, hey, how am I doing on 1 through 12? And the friend just drops a bomb on him and says, you're conceited <laughs> and you're hard to talk to because you think too highly of yourself. And he goes, great, thank you. Uh, humility was number 13. All right, and so th- humility was number 13, what he said. It was the whole joke. But he took offense to that. But what he then dictated his life to was saying, how can I be more humble? Because what he realized was 1 through 12, this, all this list is not possible without the foundation of humility. And so I encourage this church, and what, what we fast forward 54 years when he was 81 years old, sitting in the room in the Constitution being signed for those days of those meetings with all the great leaders of America. And before he signed, I don't know if y'all know this, he was not in full support of everything that was on there. And he let his voice be heard early on. I don't agree, yada, yada, yada fighting against unity together to come together for a great cause. And then finally what he says 
at the very end of it when he says, I get to finally pin my signature of saying, I am part of something greater than myself. And, I, and what he did is he went to ask forgiveness to the men that he said, I pointed you out and you out for being false in my own mind. And at 81 years old, got to sign his name because maybe the 54-year process of learning what does humility look like and in that moment, I didn't do it perfectly, but he got to come to a realization that this is bigger than me. And Springs Church, it is bigger than us. It is bigger than you. And so how do we strive for, humil- or strive for unity as a body? How do we hear verses, chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4? It's a humble acknowledgement of where our security comes from. In order to be humble, we've got to be secure in who we are. And that security comes from the paraclesis, the capital P, the comforter, consoler of our faith, the redemption of Israel, chapter 2, verse 25 of the book of Luke. How cool is that? That in order to have a humble action, humble spirit, we have to know the if statement. If these things are true, which they are in Jesus, then we get to live out in this humble action. This humble action of putting others more significant than ourselves, putting others and considering them more important. And so, how do we do this? What are the application? Here's number one. It's a, it's a mind blower. Uh, consider others more important than yourself. Consider others more important than myself. That starts with us individually. Let it start today. I hope and I pray that this message was an encouragement to that and why this is such a great need. Here's my next two. I'm always a fan of these. You've heard me teach before. I've, I've always do this, of like pointing you to go to your community group. Ask for feedback. Number two, ask your community, friends, family, whoever's closest to you, am I marked by humility? I know it's a scary question because some of us may not like the answer. I won't because I know I'm not. I know that this isn't the greatest mark of my life. And I know that this is something I greatly struggle with. Am I marked by humility? And And sorry, and number three, as this continues, and if not or if so, will you please give me examples of moments that I've lived this out and I have not? Help me grow. Be the work of, the, of Christ. Be the work of the Lord in my life by sharing lovingly. And I will share with you what that looks like in your life as you share and help me grow more like Jesus that laid his life down for every single one of us. The ultimate example of sacrifice and humility as you're going to learn in a little, fly, or a little look forward to next week, verses 5 through 11, the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture is Christ as our ultimate example Help me become more like Christ by pointing out ways and examples of times that I've been humble and times that I've missed it. Help me grow, and I'm going to do the same for you. And so, count others more significant. Is my life marked by this humility? And two, man, help me. Push me. Encourage me. Be the comfort of Jesus in my life by helping me grow. So remember, a humble acknowledgement, security, and who Jesus is plus a humble action leads to and equals joyful unity. Humility is always the choice.
joyful unity? Are we striving for it? Is it important to us? Are we going to be about it? It starts with us. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this this message. I thank you, Lord, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, that your word is profitable for reproof, correction, teaching, and training up in righteousness, that every man of God, man and woman of God, may be prepared and well-equipped. We thank you for the equipping of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 today. Thank you for Paul's ministry and him and a prideful, selfish man as well that he gets to say, man, I'm just sharing this because I see it in my own life. But Lord, we pray in 2019 at the Springs Church that we set the tone in humility in our homes, in our own hearts, and in this body as a whole. And that would push us towards unity. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity and the great burden that that is and help us remember this through our week. That humble acknowledgement plus humble action equals joyful unity. Lord, we thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you all so much. It's great to see all of you. Have a great week of worship.